Well, let's, uh, let's continue on. This is our second last sermon in the book of Galatians. And God is so good as he's building all of this in us. And so I just really want to... Um, really want to dig into this because this passage is going to bring out some passion points. This passage is going to bring out some, some areas where I believe that God is leading us as a church. And so let's read it. Galatians 6, 1 to 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch of yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his, re- his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches." Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, whoever one sow, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap the Spirit of eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your scripture. Thank you that you speak to us through it. And today as we hear Paul's summaries, we hear him coming to a conclusion in this really excellent sermon that he's given to the church of Galatia, God, I pray that we would take from this conclusion some direction, that you by your Holy Spirit would would work in our hearts and become and develop in us who we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So the rally cry. The rally cry of the, Galatian, of, of the book of Galatians is right here. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, it's, it's in the fruit of the Spirit, or it's in, or it's in the, you know, um, Galatians 3, where it's, you know, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Did, you? did you forget that you began in the Spirit? How do you think you're going to finish in the flesh? But, but he's really saying it's, it's right here. And, and this, is, this is really cool. See, Paul has painstakingly argued about inclusion. What does it mean to be included into the promises of God through the person of Jesus and his faithfulness? You're included into the promises of God through Jesus' faithfulness. And by putting faith in that, he really did a good job of just being like, this is what it is. He argued that Jesus is for all nations, and all people, and is to be trusted because of his faithfulness. So we have to navigate then what life is together. We have to navigate, okay, so if we're not about ranking each other, which we've spent so many weeks talking about, that's not what we're doing. We have to then land on what are we doing? How do we do life together? Culturally, we have a lot of slogans in our secular world, you know, we just need to be kind to each other and, and, and be loving and nice and accepting and, and just really embrace each other. And I actually really believe there's a lot of Christian value in those statements. One of the challenges that those statements bring up, though, 
is it doesn't give us a platform or a method to really engage with the problems. We then are stuck with just having to embrace problems and embrace evil and embrace the wrong along with the good. We just accept everything because we now don't have a space to really actually help each other out. Your plight is your plight, and I can't do anything with it. I just have to accept you. I just can't do anything. You're over there on, a lo- on your island alone. And it really does, in, the, in a bad way, backfire on our culture because we actually end up leaving each other exactly where we were. Jesus offers something differently. What I want to do today is I want to, is I want to encourage us today to be able to be together. So while I talk, I'm totally open to hearing comments on, on Slack, and I just hope that everybody is, is back on. And, uh, and so we're able to get back into commenting on Slack and, and raising questions and discussions. And, uh, and that's just really beneficial. God is, Paul is calling us to say this is what life is together. You could say that this is the close the closest to a study of what church is, which formally is called ecclesiology, this is the closest to a study of what church should look like that we see in the book of Galatians. He's done a lot of correctives, but then here in 6 he's saying, okay, this and this and this and this, we need to see it. And what he brings out is just wonderful. Here's some really cool things that, that he brings up. I'm just going to list eight really quickly. We're to restore those who are caught in any transgression. We're to watch out for what's tempting you. We're to carry each other's burdens together. We're to be honest and humble. We're to have a good work ethic. We're to honor teachers. We're to not stop doing good, and we're to do good to other people. You know, notice how none of these things are about getting in or judging whether somebody is in or not. They're not that. Paul's done with that. He's moved on. He's not talking about how you connect with God. He's now talking about how we connect with each other because he knows that the church needs to be connected together. And so this is what we're getting into today. Paul's now speaking of what the inclusion looks like for the community of believers. If you're included, and how do you get included? You, be, you get included by putting your faith in Jesus' faithfulness. That's your way for being included. So the first thing that he says, he wants us to restore those who are caught in transgression. And I'm going to live here for a time because this really matters. In our culture, as I said, that we've got all of those ways of just accept, 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 accept. We have no means to disagree I'm in a pastor's chat across the country with almost a thousand pastors. And one of the, one of the challenges that comes up is, is conversations about disagreements that even that the pastors are having about interpretation of, of events or scripture or whatever, and there's disagreements. And even there, we see the evidence. We, we see the evidence of, of where do we have this discussion. How do we deal with the transgressions? How do we deal with it when somebody is wrong or when somebody offends somebody else? How do we move beyond that, within that? How do we grapple with it? 
The, the scripture says, if anybody is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. And so the, the idea here is caught in a transgression. Now there are two ways that a person can be caught in a transgression. Two ways that we can see this happening. The first way is you could be caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You're caught in the act right there. It's like, it's like somebody comes into the kitchen at that exact moment that you are just indulging in something that you were told not to. I, I, I remember that. I remember being, being caught in the act and going like, oh, whoa, I know what that feels like. You know, it's, it's, it's really possible that, you know, when, when <laughs> as, as a teenager, you know, going out and telling your parents you're going someplace and you didn't know that your parents were actually watching where you were going and then you try to, you try to get out of it and your parents have caught you in the act and you're just like, oh shoot, what's going to happen now? How am I, how am I going to do it? And, and so, how many people just went and got a cookie right now? So, so you're caught in the act and you're, and you're at the point where you're just like, where you're like, oh no, I got caught. Now, that happens inside the church. We can be living life and we're doing things and, and we observe and all of a sudden we're like, whoa. That person is living according to the flesh. That person is doing things that, that aren't really what the Spirit would say, and so they're caught in the act. And we've talked long about this. What do we do? How do we, how do we deal with this? And Paul gets to it right here in verse 1, and he says, if anybody is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. Wow. Wait a second, what? You who are spiritual should restore him. Wow. This is something that's so countercultural to what we have so often been trained with. Oh, well, you need to call it out. You need, to, you need to make them know that they were wrong or something like that. They've got to be like, come on. You who are spiritual should restore him. Yeah, you're caught in the act. The direction and the motivation of the people of God as they live together is not to hone in on the error and to say, oh my goodness, we're going to put you over here until you can no longer do that act anymore. Like Homer and Bart Simpson, just the No, Paul says if anyone who is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. Yeah, God does tell people, you know, to, to address the sins of each other, and, and there's a model of this. We have a great model, just a wonderful model of, of someone caught in the act. And, and I just want us to reflect back on 2 Samuel 12. It's the story of Nathan confronting King David. Confronting a higher, a person who is higher. 
Yet there's accountability between the priest and the king. And so the priest steps into his role and he gently tells a story. He doesn't come out guns blazing saying, I know that you did this. He tells an unrelated story. Oh, well, you know, there was, there was a man, a rich man and some sheep, and he took, he had a feast coming, and, 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 and the rich man took the sheep of the poor man, slaughtered it, and served it to his guests while not touching any of his own sheep, which means that whole honoring was done on the back of somebody else. And Nathan said, what, what do you do? What is your judgment on this? And David, as a good, wise king, says, no, that person was wrong. And in David's judgment, he condemns his own action against Uriah with Bathsheba. Nathan then gently says, you, my king, are that man. This is what you have done. And the gentle, the gentle prodding, the, 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 hum, the humble approach that says, this is what you did. Now, he doesn't oust, he doesn't oust King David. Nathan doesn't say, oh, now I am better than you. Nathan just says, this is what you've done. And here's David's repentance and here's his response you know sometimes I think that we think that God can't actually do the work inside of our gentle approach he can't actually approach the sin he can't actually approach the transgression he needs the church to come alongside and do his work for him and so he needs the church to be very harsh and very you know strong-handed God is doing more work inside of people's lives, and our job is gently restore. Come alongside the work that God is doing. There's another way that being caught in a transgression works out. The second way is like an animal caught in a trap. You're caught in something. You're unable to escape from the habit. It's a trap. You can't deal with the shame that it brings about. It's a trap. Unable to force through a new path by acts of your own willpower. You can't, you can't seem to get it there. You just try and you set a determination and you go and you go and you fall. Again. And the last thing you need is somebody from the church to come alongside you and say, you know, you just need to try harder. The last thing you need is somebody else to see that you are so disappointing yourself. And God, you feel the guilt and the weight of the world upon you. The last thing you need is a brother or sister to come alongside you and say, well, you must be doing it wrong. Have you considered praying? <laughs> yeah, I pray about this. Come on. And so, what does Paul say? How do we live together if anybody is caught in a transgression? You who are spiritual, come on. 
You who are spiritual, act the way that God acts. You come alongside. This is about restoring people. We don't need to isolate people because of what they're struggling with. We need to restore people. We need to restore people. I see a comment here, and it's brilliant. I feel like before you can help somebody with restoration, there needs to be an established relationship of trust. Amen. See, we're getting to that in a moment because Paul gets to that, but that's so true. We need that established relationship of trust. This is a community called together. Our purpose is to restore each other, to draw each other in. And so, sometimes, we need to say, okay, you've been caught in something. There's something that's caught you in a trap. And we don't restore people by, by shaming them. We also don't restore them by downplaying the issue. I made a severe mistake when I was a very young minister. A person told me that they were struggling with alcoholism. And the mistake that I made was in trying to join with them. I didn't offer them a path forward. And so offering them no hope that God was on their side, offering them no hope that, that God actually has a better life where they are freed from this terrible disease. I just let them off drift away. And it was a terrible mistake because it wasn't a, restora it wasn't a restoration. It was an acknowledgement, but it offered no help. In restoration, we do more. We come alongside. We walk beside. It's, not, it's, it's about this relationship that says, I'm going to be with you through to the end. I'm never letting you go, my friend. We will go to the throne of God together. We will pray about this. We will weep about this together. But you will not be isolated from me as somebody else who just has an issue. We're going to do this together. You know, someone just asked, what if they don't think their actions are wrong? Yeah, you know what? This too, God will make clear to them. And I really believe that in so many ways where God is the one who is doing the work in us. God is the one who is actually working. If the person has put their faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, they have received the Holy Spirit. We have talked about how when we walk by the Spirit, that God brings these new things out of us and he takes these old things from us. God is the one who sanctifies and we continue to restore people and say, Look to Jesus who's going to get you there. I will not let you go no, long, no matter how long you struggle. Even if you don't even think it's wrong, let's continue to put our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus because God is going to take care of it. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. And when we let go of that great strength and say, oh no, my, your hope is in me pointing out what's wrong with you. Our hope is in the work of Jesus. Hey, look, I want to get us to, to Luke chapter 5. 
6 to 11. It says, when they had done so, and we're talking about, we're talking about Jesus approaching a, a, a crowd of people, and, a, and, a, and he, steps onto a, he steps onto a boat, and Jesus says, cast out and, and go get fish. And I was reminded of this story this week, and it's been working inside of my heart and my mind. And, and they go out, and, and Peter and James and John are in the boat, and Jesus says, you know, drop the net on the other side and picks it up, and, and, and there's tons of fish there. And, and, and we'll get to verse 6 right here. When they had done so, they had caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break, so they signaled their partners on the other, side, on the other boat to come and help them, and they came, and both boats were filled so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees. At Jesus' knees, and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. The compassion of God for his creation the compassion of God for his creation, who is stuck, caught in transgression. Peter knows it. You know it. You know that there's stuff that's wrong in your life. You know that when you see God too close, you go, whoa, whoa, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. You know that there's something in you that's just like, yeah, don't look too close there. I know it. You know it. We all know it. What does Jesus do? God is so compassionate to them who are stuck in the reality of their life, in their way of life. Jesus moved to say, I'm going to come right beside you. I'm going to come right beside you and I'm going to call you into something way better than you've ever experienced in your life. For those of us who are stuck in our transgression, the creator of the universe comes right beside us and says, I'm going to walk with you. And Jesus, when he, he promised, lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. And he does that through his spirit, which lives inside of us. God with us, indwelling us. He lives with us. Jesus comes alongside. He could have just pointed out Peter's transgressions and said, no, you know what, Peter? You got to fix yourself. No. He comes alongside and says, not only am I going to say, yes, I accept you, which is what our cultural message is, he says, I am going to lead you in a new way of life. I am going to make you fishers of men. You have fished for fish your entire life. I'm changing everything about you. I'm changing your identity. I'm calling you into something greater, and I'm going to walk alongside you for the rest of of your life I'm committing to you. There's how you build trust. There's how you build trust. Jesus does this at his own cost. Think about that. Those of us who are caught in transgressions, those of us who are caught and we see somebody caught in, in transgression, we need to do as Jesus did. Those of you who are spiritual, come alongside and restore 
We need to do as Jesus did. It's so important. So this is what we do. We come alongside. We restore our brothers and sisters. And so he says, I'm going to take you. I'm going to transform your life. And it is God who transforms our life. It is not a religious institution. It's God. God's the one who's working in us. And so we come together and we say, I'm coming alongside you. You know, when was the last time somebody came alongside you at their cost? It cost them something. It cost them reputation. It cost them time. It cost them money. It cost them energy. It cost them... Somebody's come alongside you. Has that happened for you? I would love that to happen inside Promise Church where, where we become a people committed to come alongside each other, restoring each other because it's God who's working in us. It's God who is changing us and developing us. And we as people need to be people who come alongside, Christian and non-Christian. We come alongside and say, there is a road that God dreams for your life that is beautiful, that is wonderful. So passionate. Hey, look, I've got to fly right through the rest of these, and I'm actually just going to list them. So I'm going to, there were slides for these. I'm just going to drop the slides when we come alongside, we need, to, we need to watch what's tempting us. And we need to carry each other's burdens. So when you come alongside, it's, it's not so that we're like, oh, well, we're going to participate with you. It's so that we can say, no, we're coming alongside towards what Jesus is doing. So I watch what's tempting me. And I'm not participating in it. I'm saying, let's go together. Let's go, my brother and my sister. Let's go together. You watch what's tempting you. You carry each other's burdens. And to do this, you have to be humble and honest. And it takes work. This is where it costs. It takes work. You know, test, test your own work. Test your work to say, okay, so I've got this work ethic that I'm, I'm not giving up. Honoring teachers and being good to everybody. This is the tome that, that Paul is setting for the church. He's saying, come on, guys. You are together in this. You are not dividing out and saying, oh, you don't belong, and you do belong, and you don't belong. That's God's work. Matthew 25, that's God's work. Our work is to come alongside and restore. Okay, the words are simple. The words are simple. But this is what we need as a church. We need to be willing to get messy with each other, with others. And this is our job. When we do this, we're secure and included in the community of believers. Not just this little community of believers, but the universal community of believers. We're included. And we come alongside because of Jesus' faithfulness. He has promised to make it right. He has promised to remove all evil from the world and from my own heart. And so it's time that as a church, we encourage each other to let God do his work in our heart because his vision for our future is better than us staying as fishermen. He's taking us to this next level. Let me pray.
God, in so many ways, we want to be the people who get it right. We hold on to that like an identity marker that says we are the righteous few. We are the people who get it right. And when we do that, we miss something that you did in your incarnation. We miss that you didn't wait for us to get it right. You joined with us in our mire and you promised us something much greater. And so God is a community of believers who are, who are here. It's a body of Christ, Paul calls us. Let us do as you did, joining with others in the mire and say, come along. God has a great, beautiful promise and vision for us in our lives. You who are spiritual, God, let us be spiritual people who restore people into relationship with you and not, and not take apart and not segregate and separate people from it, but restore it knowing that you have a great unifying call that says that you want to make all things right and you want to live with us as accepted by us, loved by us, worshipped by us. You look at that and say, yeah, this is this is who I am. So God, I pray that we would be that church. That we would learn to follow your spirit. To restore each other gently. To deal with the weakness in our culture that just, that just leaves people as an island. And live these lives side by side. That we would commit to each other. That would say, I'm, I'm with you. Come hell or high water, I'm with you. Because you did that and it cost you everything. And that was the road that you call us to. And so Jesus, I pray that you would work to sanctify your church and that we would work to, st to encourage each other along the path. Leave this in your hands by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us today, and I, I pray that you're encouraged. I pray that you're, that, you're, um, yeah, that you're built up today, and I pray that God would, would walk with you this week, and if there's any way that we as a church can come alongside you in a more um, tangible way, just please be in, co in communication with us on Slack. God bless you.